and welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about legally non-binding sex paperwork so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we have read Fifty Shades of Grey by E.L. James. Joining us to discuss this work of erotic fiction is librarian-slash-bellwether friend Anna. Hey. Yay! I'm so glad you could join us, Anna. I'm really looking forward to hearing all of your expertise in this field. Yeah, it, this is a fun thing to be an expert in, <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> and I feel like I feel like our listeners are going to be super disappointed listening and angry listening to this episode because I'm sure everyone tuned in expecting us to be like, this is the worst abusive garbage I've ever read and it deserves to be burned and... Instead, I'm pretty sure we're going to spend the next 45 minutes to an hour being angry at people who talk like that. I feel like it's going to be a rehash of our Twilight episode, which was definitely an hour of like, it's really not that bad. I mean, it's not good, but it's not that bad. It really is not that bad, especially compared to some other books in this genre. (laughs) Well, it's funny because when I started it, I think I had gotten the impression from hearing people talk about it that like the narrative slash prose slash craft was, you know, mediocre, but not bad, but that the sex and the relationship dynamics and everything was so terrible that that's why it was garbage. So I was shocked with how bad the prose was. Yeah. Like it was just so terrible. And then like the sex and the relationship started happening and it was fine. I guess, I mean, I think probably most people are at least pretty familiar with the concept here, but let's just give a quick plot summary before we, um, you know, jump into the Red Room of Pain. (laughs) So um, this is, as most people know, started as Twilight fan fiction and genuinely makes so much more sense to me if I think of it that way. It explains why everyone talks like they're 100 years old. But in this story, they are not vampires, actually. They are humans-ish. And uh, there's Anastasia Steele, who's a college senior whose roommate is the editor of the school paper. And the roommate, Catherine Kavanaugh, was supposed to interview Christian Gray, who's like a billionaire whose company does stuff. I don't know. Some kind of. (laughs) It's not clear what kind of stuff. Yeah. Important stuff. He's trying to solve world hunger. Yes. Via what means, I do not know. He sponsors the agricultural department at their school. So they're interviewing him because he's going to be conferring the diplomas at graduation. And he's like this big business world superstar and super young and handsome with lots of rumors about him. And they're kind of using this connection to talk him into doing an interview for the paper. I think he's like supposed to be kind of like sexy Mark Zuckerberg or something. I don't know. So, naturally, when the editor of the school paper is sick, she has no one else that she can ask. There's no other reporters in the school paper that she could ask. She just has to send her roommate to do it. So, she does, and sparks fly, obviously. Um, And is it Anna or Anna? What are they saying in the movie or the audiobook? In the audiobook, it's Anna, I believe. Because, um, yes, because it was disturbing to have him saying oh anna all the time um speaking as her name is your anna (laughs) got it okay so anna uh sparks fly whatever he comes to how do they meet again they meet again because he's 
he in town. He's creepy something. stalking her. Well, there's that. I forget like what the context he, is. He comes into the hardware store where she works to yes. buy like zip ties and other means of restraint in an act of foreshadowing for the three people on the planet who don't know what this book is actually about. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, oh, and then she goes out and she gets drunk. She drunk dials Christian. That's what. Yeah. And then, uh, he comes and like swoops in and rescues her. When her like be male BFF who has a thing for her is trying to kiss her and she's struggling to get away. And he's like, no, like you're leading me on. You have to kiss me. And he like comes in to save her like a white knight or something. Like like uh, Edward Cullen would. Yes. Yeah. So then, um, pretty soon, they get into this, like, she spends the night with him, but they don't have sex, and she... I don't even remember. Uh, whatever. Uh, before well, you get to talk about how he keeps... He keeps saying, I'm, I'm no good for you, and you have to stay away from me, and, like, I'm all wrong, and I'm a terrible... Match yeah, or whatever. He, I think after he meets her at the hardware store again, he convinces her to go to coffee with him, and she feels like super attracted to him. And despite being like 22 and having like all these boys swoon over her, she has never been interested in anyone else before except for the fictional heroes of romance novels or not even romance novels of like, um, like Mr. Classic. Rochester. Yeah. Um, but she, like, falls so hard for him, but he keeps pushing her away, and it makes her really upset because he won't explain himself. So after she spends the night with him, and, like, when, when he saves her from being drunk, he tells her, like, oh, well, you know, if you're with me, there's, like, all these strings attached, and you have to come to my house in Seattle, and... We'll discuss it because I can't talk about it here. I have to talk about it there. And you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement. Yes. Right. Um, which, again, this kind of, well, not the non-disclosure agreement, but this character of Anna, she just makes so much more sense if she's a high school girl like Bella Swan. And when she becomes a 22-year-old woman who's like 99% done with her college degree, it's like, how did this where did you come from? And it, especially since they're living in Portland, too. It's not even like she's at Bible College or something. It's really weird. Yeah. Cause, is- and also, everyone else is normal. Like, Kate and Jose and all the other college students are normal. But Anna, like, doesn't have a computer and doesn't... It's just completely clueless and completely detached from everything in a way that makes zero sense. Yeah. So, anyway, she can't stay away from him. They end up having, like, oh, and she reveals that she's a virgin. And so they end up having some, like, you know, regular vanilla sex. Um, you know, it's she enjoys it. She comes a lot. She bleeds on the sheets, which is gross and unnecessary. But, you know, that's fine. Uh, he's, you know, he's rolling down, like, how tight she is. It is it is gross, but nothing, like, more than, like, a sort of standard romance novel would and well, it's kind I guess of unbelievable before, before they have in just the way that she's like never touched herself before even she's oh, just like yeah. never conceived yeah. of sex before and also she's automatically really good at it really yes. good at it like really good at it like she, it doesn't take her any any effort at all to have an orgasm and she's like oh okay yeah and um before before they have their vanilla sex 
he explains to her like what his big secret is is that he is into BDSM and he is not he doesn't do relationships he doesn't want a girlfriend he's looking for a submissive and he has this contract that he wants her to sign and research before she signs because he wants her to be his submissive and that that pretty much is the plot of the book is her but she doesn't necessarily want that she doesn't not want it really she's skeptical but willing to give it a try but she really wants him to be her boyfriend and he at the start that is a limit for him he won't do that he doesn't do love he doesn't do boyfriends and he won't and that is kind of the rest of the book is them kind of pulling and pushing back and forth with like how much he's willing to give in a romantic way and how much she's willing to give in like a submissive way and where they're going to draw the lines. Yeah. And so, I mean, there are, um, there are definitely a lot of pretty explicit sex scenes in here, which like Kate said at the beginning, I, they were fine. Like, um, it wasn't, like, the most erotic thing I've ever read, but, yeah, like, some of them, I was like, yeah, that was pretty hot, that's cool. As the token stray person here, I'll say, like, yeah, like, I don't know, fucking Christian Grey sounded, like, pretty enjoyable most of the time. <laughs> Not the talking, like, I don't want him to talk to me, but he seemed like he was pretty good at sex. Uh, and Yeah, obviously. So, she, you know, she's learning, like, new sexy things that you can do, and he's giving her the weirdest confessions uh, all the time. (laughs) And yeah, in a lot of ways, I mean, it really is just kind of a romantic comedy type thing where they're like, you know, learning each other's foibles. It's just that they're like very sexually explicit foibles. And honestly, after some of the stuff we've been reading for the stuff like um, Outlander and The Shunning, where, well, The Shunning didn't even have anything remotely sexual, but, like, Outlander had these sex scenes where it was like, I don't even know what was happening. It was just, like, <laughs> something was hard and something was yielding and, like, she liked it. I, 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 and this, at least, I was like, okay, like, he's touching her clit. I got it. I know what that means. And so I, I like that. <laughs> gonna say so i could see especially if you had read a lot of these sort of like softer romance novels where it's more like ambiguous vague sex like here it's pretty explicit and you know what's happening and it sounds pretty all right yeah i i guess like right off the bat i i want to address this is that i've seen like a lot of out of context quotes and things going around from this that make it seem like he is the most despicable human, that he is abusing her, that he, like, doesn't respect her safe word when they do scenes together, which they only do once or twice in the book, that he is just, like, taking advantage of her. And I really didn't get that impression. I mean, first off, at least in this book, um, he never, she never uses a safe word and he, that he ignores. Right, yeah, there's uh, only a couple times, she does use it a couple times, I think, and he does stop, or... Yeah, but he uh, never... Yeah, I believe in the second book, she has to use it at one point. It's and... kind of lost in the mist of time now. Yeah, and stuff like, too, like, I read, like, oh, and that, like, he tricks, she's, like, so naive, and, like, she definitely is naive, but he doesn't trick her into signing the contract, like, it, 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 we'll get to that, by the way, he does have, like... 
a, a DS contract, and I'm pretty sure E.L. James just like Googled and found, <laughs> like found it. It's like pretty standard if you're into that. And so, anyway, but I would say that they are both consenting adults, and you know. Yeah. Right, because she calls him out. She's like, hey, I Googled this, and, like, this contract is not legally consenting. And he's like, yeah, 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 no, it's just, it's not legal. Like, it wouldn't stand up in court, but it's really just for us to, like, talk about our boundaries. I'm like, this actually seems fine to me. Yeah, and they, like, they negotiate the contract. Like, he gives her the contract, and she says, like, part one, part two, and part three, like, you need to make these changes, and I won't do this, and I won't do that. And, you know, he goes, oh, okay. You know, uh, all right, fine, we'll change those things. And at the same time, like, a lot of it is not only negotiation in that, but he says to her that, like, prior to her, he's never spent the night with a woman before, like, in the same bed. You know, he doesn't do romance, he doesn't do dates. But for her, he says that he's willing to, like, go on a date one night a week with her and, like, let her sleep over sometimes. And... So they're also negotiating, like, a relationship outside of the dominant and submissive roles, which I think is pretty healthy. I don't know. Uh. Yeah, to me, I mean, what is the most red flaggy is that he definitely is a stalker. Like, when, especially when, she, and this is kind of like what happens in Twilight also, like, she goes to visit her mom in Florida, and then Christian Grey just, like, happens to show up at her hotel and is like, oh, I had business, or like, whatever, let's fuck. <laughs> um, and that, like, I agree, like, that is, but at the same time, like, she is happy to see him. And I think it was too, like, oh, she'd emailed him and been like, oh, I wish you were here. And he was like, well, I got a private jet, be right there. So... <laughs> In the context of it being this romance novel and this fantasy and, like, we as the reader know that she does want him to be there. And I think that's the difference. And it is something that in real life would be weird. But I don't think... I think when people, like, oh, it glorifies abuse and makes women, like, want... Like, I just don't know. Especially because there's a quote that I've seen, like, all over the internet. I guess there's this meme where people are putting quotes from the book that are quote-unquote, like, abusive on the poster from the movie. And one of the quotes that they're putting is, like, her kicking and saying no and struggling and him saying, like, don't struggle or I'll have to punish you. And that's part of the scene. And everyone keeps pointing to that quote and saying, like, he doesn't respect her boundaries. But that... That is a point in the book where she has a safe word that she is purposely not using. And I'm not into BDSM myself, but as far as I know from people who are into it that I'm friends with and from like doing research and stuff like that, that, that's how it works. That's why you have a safe word so that if you or your partner gets off on the struggle or the no or, you know, if you have things that you need to work out and you need to get there through doing those things, you can but there's still a way that you can inform them when it's time to stop. Yeah. Like, that's the point. That's the point. So it makes me mad when they're like, oh, look here, this is the point. He's ignoring her and she's saying, no, well, yes, that's why she has a safe word that she's not using. Like, don't take quotes from a book that you haven't read and tell everyone that's why it's garbage and that's why women who read it need to be saved from it. Right. And then also there's just like straight up made up quotes. Like I've seen so many people like retweet the quote that's like Christian Grace smiled at me like a mother hamster who's about to eat her young. Like that is not in there. (laughs) 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 That hamster quote is made up. There's plenty of weirdo shit in here, but not the hamster thing. 
yeah, like overall, there was nothing like the stalkery bits were a little, you know, over the line for me. Like this, this book does not portray a relationship that I look at as a fantasy, but it does not portray a relationship any worse than a lot of other books that are out there. Totally. It's the book is from Anna's point of view and she's fine with most of these things and when she's not fine with them she it's made clear in the narrative and she makes it clear to him yeah she is always saying like you're a stalker <laughs> yeah when he, when he does stuff like that and you know like i don't want your gifts it makes me feel like a horror or like whatever they're always working out things between them in a way that reminds me of a classic romance novel where there's uh rake and he's like never been caught by anyone and he's has his wicked ways and then there's the one woman who is going to make him settle down and become a guy who is a family man and stuff like that yeah i would say the other thing that's problematic i mean it's very heavily portrayed that the reason christian likes this stuff is because he had an abusive childhood and he's like working it out through sex and i think that is kind of like I'm sure there are some people that's true for, but I think for like a lot of people, it's just kind of like sexy fun times and like about this exchange of power and like trust and like just because you like to spank somebody doesn't mean you're like fucked up, like you know. And I I think it really heavily is like well that is why Christian likes it because he's fucked up and because he was like abused when he was 15 by this like older neighbor lady. Yeah. So that's weird. Yeah, and it's funny to me too that like in all of this like oh we need to save the women because this is an unhealthy betrayal i have never once heard someone point out like oh well also you know he was sexually assaulted as a child when an older woman took his virginity when he was 15 years old like yeah nobody's worried about christian gray except me (laughs) (laughs) as a token straight lady that's okay i just want to take care of him No, Aww, I don't. Poor guy. Just as long as you don't touch him. <laughs> I have to say, too, that, like, I have seen a lot of, like, angry pushback about how terrible this is from a lot of people that I know, like, through online fandom. And I have read a million fanfics about two dudes where that is the exact plot. One of them is, like, a jackass who, you know, nobody can tame. And the other one is, like, shy and sophisticated and in love for the first... Or in unsophisticated and in love for the first time. And, you know, is the only person who's ever been able to capture the yeah, first yeah. one's interest and heart. And no one cares about, like, the same people who read and love and recommend those. Like, this book is, you know, should be burned and we shouldn't let people read it because yeah. the poor women's don't know any better. It's a classic, classic romance trope. Yeah. So, and again, I feel like a lot of it too is people who haven't read it and are just sort of ex- extrapolating. This is probably the only time that anyone will make this comparison, but it reminds <laughs> me of Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. <laughs> because- <laughs> Stay with me. <laughs> Because before I read that book, I just had read so many, like, think pieces and just quotes and, like, had conversations at parties like, oh, Sheryl Sandberg is, like, bad for women and, like, she doesn't understand her privilege and, like, lean in is bullshit and it's, like, oppressing lower class women. I was like, oh, yeah. And then I read it and I was like, wait a minute, you guys did not read that book. Like, you were just assuming that because she's a CEO that she, like, didn't think about that. And it's actually, like, 
a pretty good book, I think. And it, you know, it's not perfect or whatever, but honestly, it's a lot more nuanced than people think that it is. Oh, God, did I just call Fifty Shades nuanced? Yeah, you did. You did. (laughs) Let me sit with that for a minute. And, um, yeah, so I'm glad, I'm glad that we talked about this and got it out of the way because it really, like, I am in this horrible position now and I was commiserating with Renata about it on Twitter this morning that, like, I see people putting Fifty Shades down and now I have to fucking defend it. Like, I went to dinner last night with, um, a friend of mine who is in town and her husband and a bunch of their friends and I just was like, well, let me tell you about Fifty Shades when someone brought it up. Like, all those people are wrong. Like, people don't know, you know, people, this is just like a witch hunt to, to say horrible things about something that women like because women like them and we have to protect it and like went off at dinner about defending Fifty Shades of Grey and this is my life now. This is my life. Welcome, <laughs> welcome. Yeah, like, I saw on Facebook somebody made this graphic, and it was a picture of Gandalf, and it said, like, here's to the girls who only need one shade of gray to read a trilogy. And I, like, lost my mind, and I tweeted, like, a hundred tweets about <laughs> <laughs> Like, that, it's so, like, first of all, to the girls, not to the women, first of all. Second of all, like, why are we putting Lord of the Rings as a trilogy on a pedestal? Like, that is, I mean, Lord of the Rings sure is, like, a classic work of fantasy, but are we like putting that up as our icon of like what girls should be reading like there's like two women in that book (laughs) in that whole trilogy i mean yeah yeah why the fuck shouldn't women be reading 50 shades of gray instead of lord of the rings if that's what they want to read i'm out (laughs) if i had i do have a mic and i would drop it but i think i would break it so just like (laughs) imagine i did that uh. And that said, that said, I didn't really like this book. I didn't, like, I, I thought the sex scenes were, like, they're good, but, like, if I'm gonna, like, jerk it, there's something else that I'd rather read. <laughs> it was yeah. just, you know, the romance didn't, like, I don't even really, like, romantic comedies, romance novels that much. That's, again, like, not to, like, shame women who like that. I think that's great. But for me, like, it's not necessarily my preferred genre, and then, yeah, this is really weird. It's not very well written, but... It's terribly written. She needs an editor so bad. And that's what makes me so, so mad. So much. That it's a garbage book. It's terrible. It should not have been published like this. And it is so horribly written. And, like, craft-wise makes no sense. Like, there's... She says the words, oh my, on every page. And I had to, in my head, hear, like, every single time she said it, George Takai saying them so that kind of ruined it for me but it's not a good book like we just sat here and defended it for half an hour but it's it's a bad book it's just not bad for the reasons everyone is telling you it's bad exactly it reads like um a fan fiction that someone took straight from fanfiction.net and then published without a real editor going through and being like you know what we need to cut 40 percent of this book and then you can publish it Right, and then also to be like, you know what, great idea, good sex scenes, I think people are going to like those, but here's the thing, now that your character is not a vampire, he sounds real weird, can we, like, maybe spruce up the dial, maybe get a youth in here, can we talk to some youths? <laughs> yeah. He and calls I think- her, yeah, like, your whatever young woman, um, X number of times, and he's, like, what, two years older, four years older, I forget. <laughs> I think he's not that much older, maybe, or something, yeah. And, like, I, I mean, you people who listen to the podcast regularly know, like, 
we love the fan community. We love fan fiction. But there is a time and a place for fan fiction and a time and a place for published fiction. And part of the the shortcuts to fan fiction, the, the good thing about fan fiction is you can write ideas like this without having to fill in the blanks because people will do it themselves. Like if you're like, oh, you know, this is my X-Men high school AU, you don't have to come up with all of the background and the characterization and you don't have to put all of those pieces into play because people will come in and say like, oh, okay, I know who these characters are. I kind of know what their personalities are and how they relate to each other. So we'll just get the ball rolling with the story right away, which is is fine. But when you're then taking that and filing off the serial numbers and publishing it, you have to go back and do the work to fill in those gaps so that people who don't know the source material or don't walk in knowing it's fan fiction can have any idea who your characters are and what's going on. Like there's been a lot of fan fiction that's had the serial numbers filed off and published that works much better than this because the authors go back and edit it and do the work to make it its own thing. And she very, very clearly did not. Yeah. But apparently for the purposes of publishing and making a shitload of money, she didn't have to do the work, I guess. Do you think if they had, if they had not capitalized on the, the moment or whatever, and if they had waited and tightened it up and made it something else, would it have made as much money? I feel like, I mean, I don't think that this was successful because people knew that it was Twilight fan fiction. I think that was sort of at first kind of a secret and then it came out a little bit later and it was it was sort of a, a joke that happened to be true. I guess I don't really know what exactly happened to make this so popular. Well, yeah. that's that's the question. <laughs> um, and I think, too, it was funny because I had heard all these people say like, oh, well, it's not, like, really Twilight fan fiction. You can't tell. And they were all, like, non-fandom people. But five pages in, I saw all of the earmarks, like, all of the spots where I could 100% see, like, where, like, she's super clumsy. And she's, like, you know, really attractive, but she doesn't think she's attractive. And everyone's in love. Like, even the relationships between the characters. Like, when she she gets introduced to Christian's family, I was like, oh, right. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yup. <laughs> It, yeah, it and, and like clear. her her gruff but loving stepdad, and like her ditzy mom who lives in Florida, who like you know, can't even be there for her graduation because she has to take care of her new husband, and her attractive ethnic friend who's in love <laughs> with her, who she spurns. Do you want to talk about him? Yeah, I, I will. Um, so uh, we probably should have said this at the top i had um asked on twitter and tumblr earlier today i know that this is a book that a lot of people hear a lot of rumors about and hear a lot of like weird things about but haven't necessarily read so we solicited questions from the twitter and tumblr audience and we think we're going to answer most of them as we go but one in particular uh, naomi had asked that she had heard that the jacob in Fifty Shades was a horrible Latino stereotype. And uh, he he is. His name is Jose, and he's the photographer friend. The younger... He's younger than Anna, um, and he's a photographer for the newspaper, and he has a huge crush on her, and everyone knows it. But even though he's super attractive, she's just not into him at all. And uh, he at a bar when she's really drunk, uh, tries to force himself on her, and 
that's when Christian swoops in because she drunk dialed him and saves her. And then, you know, Christian, of course, is very like, oh, you know, I don't I don't want you to see him anymore. I don't want you to be around him. I don't trust him. And yeah. You know, you say force himself, by the way. And I mean, I really feel like it was just a kiss. Like, I didn't have like a rapey vibe from him. Just, I don't know. Well, he, she was struggling to get away and he was kind of like not letting her go and trying to kiss her still. Mm. Like, she was making it very clear that she was not interested in him. And right. Yeah, no, definitely that is true. And he spent the rest of the book basically apologizing and making sad face at her. And I mean, she did forgive him. Yeah. Um, is he an ethnic stereotype? I don't really remember a lot about him other than that, like, scene. I don't remember specifically, but I think I remember him talking about, like, his family and getting, like, a weird, like, well, that's pretty stereotypical vibe. Like, isn't that where she got her, like, death trap car from? Or he 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 services it or something? Yeah, you know, there's not a lot about Jose. It's definitely not a Jacob... (laughs) Right, it's not an equal love triangle. No, it's it's not even a. It's just a straight line. Um. Okay. Well, I just okay. Jose is studying engineering and is the first in his family to make it to college. He's pretty damn bright, but his real passion is photography. Jose has a great eye for a good picture. That's like his introductory paragraph. All right, gosh, what else? There was so much in this book, and I feel like we spent so long defending it that now we have to explain why it was so bad. (laughs) Maybe we should should jump into our dramatic readings and talk about those as we go. Yeah, let's do it. So we're going to start off, actually, um, because we saw so many out-of-context quotes floating around the internet, we have decided to start off with our own set of of out-of-context quotes that we will read. I'll start. Internet? I don't have access to a computer, only Kate's laptop, and I couldn't use the one at Clayton's. Not for this sort of research, surely. Oh my god. This book takes place in 2011, FYI. And she's an English major. She's an English major. How does, is she an English major who has to, how does she write write papers? papers? Yeah. (sighs) I, I, I don't understand this at all. And there's a computer lab at school, yeah. I presume. The Clayton's is the place where she works. It's the, where yeah, it's the hardware store. Like, the son of the owner also wants her, of course. Right. But I can just imagine her sitting at work, like, looking <laughs> stuff up. <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, kind of a recurring thing. Like, she says that to him, and then she gets, like, a fancy new MacBook Pro delivered to her house. Right. And he gives her, Christian gives her a new car, and he gives her, anytime she has, like, he gives her a whole bunch of first edition books by her favorite authors. Like, him giving her extravagant oh, gifts the that she feels. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Blackberry. Yeah, the blood he gives her a Blackberry so that they can always stay in touch. It, it, like, him giving her extravagant gifts that make her feel like a whore. <laughs> her words, not mine are kind of a recurring theme throughout the book. So maybe that's why, just for the sake of convenience, she doesn't have a computer or a smartphone or anything, so that it's it's easier for James to have Christian, like, just give her everything. But honestly, it would be so much better if she was like, oh, like, 
okay, I like I'll look it up on my like shitty old laptop or whatever. And he comes over and he's like, oh, that's your computer, Pshaw. And then he like gives her a fancy new one, like or same, you know. Oh, well, I don't have a smartphone. I just I only have this like Nokia. Like, come on, it's not that hard. Like he can right. still give her fancy gifts even if she has like <laughs> normal college student things. Yeah. Yeah, she's just an abnormal college student. Or again, I could totally see it if it made if she was like, Oh, I'm the first in my family to go to college and we're really poor and I'm working really but it's not that. Like she doesn't seem to be living in poverty. She's just like, Oh, I don't really need a computer. Like, bitch, yes you do. <laughs> Everyone needs a computer, especially English majors. Yeah, right. Uh all right. Um, so I guess the next out of context quote is Ah, uh, from Christian. <laughs> I don't make love. I fuck hard. <laughs> That's my favorite one. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't yeah. she throw that back at him later? She's like, I thought you didn't make love. I thought you only fucked. And he's like, ah. Yeah, she does. Because it turns out he likes making love when it's with her. Yeah. Of course he does. All right. I want to do the next one. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> The woman who brought me into this world is a crack whore, Anastasia. Go to sleep. (laughs) Are you dropping the mic? Yes. (laughs) Not on purpose, in triumph, in accident, because I was, like, laughing really hard and I flailed my arm weirdly. (laughs) So, true story. When um, When we do an episode, we keep notes when we're reading in a shared Google Doc and... Renata was ahead of me in her reading and she typed that in the Google Doc and I thought that she was exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to that part like later that day and I was like, oh no. <laughs> it's for realsies. <laughs> okay, the next one is from uh, Anastasia's mother. Whew, the UST in here. It's unbelievable. Yeah, like, why does Anastasia's mother talk like a commenter on a fanfic? (laughs) She's like, kudos to you, Anna. Update soon. Oh, my God. Her mom is all for it. All for it. If my daughter had never been with anyone before, I don't know. If I would be like, sure, Kristen Gay, go ahead. In fairness, her mom does seem like a dumb dumb. <laughs> well, yeah, and she kind of like thinks of her mom as sort of a dumb dumb. Just as Bella Swan does. Yeah. Who is occasionally insightful in her advice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Anna, you should take the last quote because that was that was yours. I'm gonna read mine. This is my favorite. Just I was reading it at the airport and it jumped out at me. <laughs> so Anastasia's sitting at the um before the interview at a publishing house because she wants to be an intern and she hasn't set this up before graduation somehow she's like doing it after so one of the women there she could be in her late 30s maybe in her 40s it's so difficult to tell with older women it really is they could be anything she could be 90 i mean there's really no way of knowing (laughs) uh yeah that's another thing is that she like, once she graduates, she's, like, set up all these interviews for, like, possible internships at publishing houses in Seattle. Like, it definitely is implied at the end that it's not an internship. It's, like, a full-time paid job with benefits. 
So I don't know if right. E.L. James doesn't know what an internship is or if it was just an editing thing where she decided at the end, you know, Anastasia needed a, a full-time job and not an internship, but then never went back and fixed it. I will tell you that in the second or third book, um, Christian just goes ahead and buys the entire company or the company that holds the company and renames it Gray Publishing. And she has then definitely a real job. That's <laughs> gross. Right? That's like the most creepy thing he does. She gets really mad at him, but obviously... See, and- Maybe it's just because I'm in such a bad, like, employment place right now that I'm just like, no, that sounds really good. <laughs> that great. <laughs> this so, is Kate's fantasy. Kind of <laughs> hardcore job hunting. Job. <laughs> Suddenly I'm attracted Where your to boyfriend Christian is Ray. your boss's boss. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into that. <laughs> All right. Let's move on. And uh, we're going to read you just a little bit of the contract Christian proposes to Anna. Um, and, um, it's really actually, long and it's repeated in this book like at least three times um, and that was actually uh, somebody had had a question about that I can't remember who now but had asked is is it true that he makes her sign a sex contract and and he does well he doesn't he- actually make her sign it in this book it's still unsigned at the end and they're yeah. also broken up it was at yet regressing on Twitter who inquired about that. And the answer is yes, there is a contract, but it's pretty meaningless. Yeah. Just like life. <laughs> All right. So we're going to read a little bit of the contract. Um, I'm going to start and then Renata's going to read a little bit more. And then Anna is going to read the hard limits. So here we go. Obedience. The submissive will obey any instructions given by the dominant immediately without hesitation or reservation and in an expeditious manner. The submissive will agree to any sexual activity deemed fit and pleasurable by the dominant accepting those activities that are outlined in hard limits. Appendix 2. She will do so eagerly and without hesitation. Sleep. The submissive will ensure she achieves a minimum of seven hours sleep a night when she is not with the dominant. Food. The submissive will eat regularly to maintain her health and well-being from a prescribed list of foods. Appendix 4. The submissive will not snack between meals, with the exception of fruit. Okay, Appendix 2. Hard limits. No acts involving fireplay. No acts involving urination or defecation and the products thereof. No acts involving needles, knives, cutting, piercing, or blood. No acts involving gynecological medical instruments. No acts involving children or animals. No acts that will leave any permanent marks on the skin. No acts involving breath control. No activity that involves the direct contact of electric current, whether alternating or direct, fire or flames to the body. So, yes, there is a contract, and it, it's longer than what we just read. It goes on for a while. Way longer. But, I mean, for the record, I mean, the hard limits are stuff that she won't do. And then the soft limits, she vetoes most of them. Like, honestly, about the stuff that she'll allow is, like, vaginal sex and spanking and, like, light bondage. I don't don't remember all of it. But she vetoes pretty much anything that's beyond, like, a, a mild level of kink. Yeah. Compared to some of the other books I read when trying to figure out reader likes to this book 
the stuff that happens between them is pretty low level stuff. Yeah. And, you know, in like other stuff that I've read too, this is pretty, pretty tame. And also it should be noted in case it's unclear. This is not a contract about their whole relationship. This is a contract that specifically refers to times when they're in their roles as dominant and submissive. They have, because he doesn't want a relationship, they have other conversations about what their other relationship outside of these roles will be like. So it's not like he's like, whenever we're together, you know, you're my submissive and these are the rules. It's more like when we're in these roles, this is what we do. Yeah. And on, like, honestly, there is stuff more shocking than this in Dan Savage's column every goddamn day. Like, this is just <laughs> like pretty regular. <laughs> yeah. Whatevs. All right. We're going to make it sexy now. We're going to read some sexy sex scenes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I'm gonna be Christian. I'm gonna do it with my sexiest bro voice. So get ready. <laughs> oh God. Get to my lines, my sexy erotic lines. I want you to become well acquainted on first name terms, if you will, with my favorite and most cherished part of my body. I'm very attached to this. It's so big and growing. His erection is above the waterline, the water lapping at his hips. I glance up at him and come face to face with his wicked grin. He's enjoying my astounded expression. I realize that I'm staring. I swallow. That was inside me. It doesn't seem possible. He wants me to touch him. Hmm. Okay. Bring it on. I smile at him and reach for the body wash, squirting some soap onto my hand. I do as he's done, lathering the soap in my hands until they are foamy. I do not take my hands off, my eyes off of his. My lips are parted to accommodate my breathing. Very deliberately, I gently bite my bottom lip and then run my tongue across it, tracing where my teeth have been. His eyes are serious and dark, and they widen as my tongue skims my lower lip. I reach forward and place one of my hands around him, mirroring how he's holding himself his eyes close briefly wow feels much firmer than i expected i squeeze and he places his hand over mine like this <laughs> he whispers and he moves his hand up and down with a firm grip around my fingers and my fingers tighten around him he closes his eyes again and his breath hitches in his throat when he opens them again his gaze is scorching and molten gray that's right, baby. He releases my hand, leaving me to continue alone and closes his eyes as I move up and down his length. He flexes his hips slightly into my hand and reflexively I grasp him tighter. A low groan escapes from within his throat. Fuck my mouth. Hmm. I remember him pushing his thumb into my mouth and asking me to suck hard. His mouth drops open as his breathing increases. I lean forward while he has his eyes closed and place my lips around him and tentatively suck, running my tongue over the tip. Whoa, Anna. His eyes fly open as I suck harder. Hmm. He's hard and soft at once, like steel encased in velvet, and surprisingly tasty. Salty and smooth. Christ. Moving down, I push him into my mouth. He groans again. Ha! My inner goddess is thrilled. I can do this. I can't, I can fuck him with my mouth. 
I feel his legs tense beneath my hands. He reaches up and grabs my pigtails and starts to really move. Oh, baby, that feels good. I suck harder, flicking my tongue across the head of his impressive erection. Wrapping my teeth behind my lips, I clamp my mouth around him. His breath hisses between his teeth and he groans. Jesus, how far can you go? (laughs) Hmm. I pull him deeper into my mouth so I can feel him at the back of my throat and then to the front again. My tongue swirls around the end. He's my very own Christian Grey flavored popsicle. I suck harder and harder, pushing him deeper and deeper, swirling my tongue around him. Hmm. I had no idea giving pleasure could be such a turn on. My inner goddess is doing the merengue with some salsa moves. Anastasia, I'm going to come in your mouth. If you don't want me to, stop now. He thrusts his hips again. His eyes are wide, wary, and filled with salacious need. Need for me. Need for my mouth. Oh my. Uh, His hands are really gripping my hair. I can do this. I push even harder, and in a moment of extraordinary confidence, I bare my teeth. It tips him over the edge. He cries out and stills, and I can feel warm, salty liquid oozing down my throat. I swallow quickly. Ugh. I'm not sure about this. But one look at him and I don't care. He's come apart in the bath because of me. I sit back and watch him, a triumphant gloating smile tugging at the corners of my lips. His breathing is ragged. Opening his eyes, he glares at me. Don't you have a gag reflex? Christ, Anna. That was good. Really good. Unexpected, though. You know, you never cease to amaze me. I smile and consciously bite my lip. He eyes me speculatively. Have you done that before? No. Good. Yet another first, Miss Steele. Well, you get an A in oral skills. Come, let's go to bed. I owe you an orgasm. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) By the way, Kate skipped a lot of gross (laughs) description in there. Yeah. I'm sure sure she did. Like, really probably don't have the lesbians read the blowjobs. Um, yeah, I, I'm not so into those <laughs> myself. <laughs> that we haven't really talked about how one of the editing problems in this book, I will say, is that she has an inner goddess and she has a subconscious and they're like a little angel and devil on her shoulder and the inner goddess wants her to do like more, more, more with Christian Grey and the subconscious is like Maybe that's not such a good idea, and she spends a lot of time talking about them. So much time that you're like, just shut up. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's a weird binary. Like, who? Ha- like, that's not a thing. It's not a thing, but it, it comes up so many times. You're like, just stop, stop. It's one thing where I would kind of appreciate it if she was like, oh, by the way, my hippie mom made me to go to some workshop, and they taught me to unleash my inner goddess. And I'd be like, okay, I guess that's where that comes from. But nope. Just there. Oh. All right, guys. Are you ready for what's coming next? Because <laughs> you, if you want to safe word out of this, just, you know, close iTunes. Um, but we're going to read the tampon scene to you. And that was our most frequently asked question. Several people asked, what about the tampon scene? Well, get ready. It does exist. It does exist. And like everything else about this book, it's kind of not that bad. When did you get your period, Anastasia? He asks out of the blue, gazing down at me. Um, 
Um, yesterday, I mumble in my highly aroused state. Good. <laughs> he, he releases me and turns me around. Hold on to the sink. He orders and drags my hips back again like he did in the playroom, so I'm bending down. He reaches between my legs and pulls on the blue string. <gasps> what? And gently takes my tampon out and tosses it into the nearby toilet. Holy fuck! Sweet mother of all... Jeez. And then he's inside me. Ah, skin against skin. Moving slowly at first, easily, testing me, pushing me. Oh my. I grip onto the sink, panting, forcing myself back on him, feeling him inside me. Oh, the sweet agony. His hands clasp my hips. He sets a punishing rhythm in, out. And he reaches around and finds my clitoris massaging me. Oh, geez. I can feel myself quicken. That's right, baby. He rasps as he grinds into me, angling his hips, and it's enough to send me flying, flying high. Whoa. And I come loudly, gripping for dear life onto the sink. As I spiral down through my orgasm, everything's spinning and clenching at once. He follows, clasping me tightly, his front on my back as he climaxes and calls my name. Like it's a litany or a prayer. Oh, Anna. Oh, baby, will I ever get enough of you? <laughs> we sink slowly to the floor and he wraps his arms around me, imprisoning me. Will it always be like this? So overwhelming, so all-consuming, so bewildering and beguiling. I wanted to talk, but now I'm spent and dazed from his lovemaking and wondering if I will ever get enough of him. I am lost in him, lost to him. I remember that I have my period. I'm bleeding, I murmur. Doesn't bother me. <laughs> As we kept going, I, my Christian Grey voice like, got more and more Batman. Yeah, it <laughs> I was just lost in the moment. <laughs> Batman and Christian Grey have a lot in common. Really I can Christian Bale, Christian Grey, Illuminati. I can absolutely see Batman pulling this sort of like, oh, I don't have girlfriends. I don't do the relationship thing. I just fuck hard. <laughs> totally. Bruce Wayne makes people sign sex contracts. Totally. He, he can go out and get killed at any moment. It doesn't make sense for him to get attached. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so also back to the, the tampon bit, like everyone was talking about that. And that was the most anticlimactic he takes out her tampon and they have sex like that i was expecting hearing that that it was going to be some he was going to do something with the tampon he was gonna <laughs> i don't know what but like literally he takes out the tampon so they can have sex and that's it oh my god like yeah honestly i i like that i think people maybe shouldn't be so gross out of period sex because it's not that big a deal like if this yeah. book made a lot of middle-aged couples have more period sex Cool. Great. Like, that, good for him that he has no problem with that and, you know, doesn't think that it's gross or weird or whatever. Uh, the one problem is, of course, that he throws the tampon in the toilet and everyone knows that you're not supposed yeah, to flush that tampons. that is a big no-no. He probably has really good plumbing, though. No, they're at a hotel, so <laughs> oh, he can right. just replace all the plumbing at the hotel if he has to. <laughs> But the, the the scene we just read had a, so many ellipses and so many saying, like, geez. Why does she say geez all the time? Yeah, geez and hmm. What is she, Oh, my God. Yeah, needed an editor. Needed someone to sit down and take all of these geezes and hmms and oh mys and 
inner goddess is and someone to read it out loud and be like oh wow <laughs> right yeah, yeah yeah but but the sex itself like not bad sure says the token straight person right <laughs> <laughs> okay i mean like yeah let's move on to uh would you rather would you rather sign Chris- Christian Grey's sex contract or get officially baptized as an Amish person? I would rather get officially baptized as an Amish person because I don't want to have sex with Christian Grey or anyone who's a dude. <laughs> Plus, I mean, you could always like get baptized and then get shunned immediately and kind of go back to your normal life. It's true, and, like, even if I had to stay an Amish person, like, I could be, like, an old spinster that doesn't bother me. This makes a lot of sense. I think I'd, I, I'm a presume that if I was on the cusp of signing his contract, that I would be a completely different person and into him. And considering it's non-binding, I might just sign it and then be, like, Anna, a totally terrible submissive. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I've I've stated on the podcast before, and it, it's clearly stated on my Christian Mingle profile that I'm just <laughs> looking for a guy to call me a witch and spank me. So I feel like I feel like I could get that added to the contract, and I'm fine with the rest of it. Well, actually, no, I would make the same amendment that Anna made, which is she got rid of the food part of it. Um, yeah, yeah. I if there's no snacking allowed, then that's a deal breaker. You can but have fruit. That's true. I guess. <laughs> That's garbage snack. That's no. <laughs> yeah. Cake or go home. Cake or go home. <laughs> but yeah, give, given those amendments. We'll take if it. you're Amish, you get so many desserts. I mean, come on. Oh, Just I heard all snack. about that. We have learned that, yeah. <laughs> all right. Next up, would you rather date Christian Grey or date Edward Cullen? I think I would rather date Edward Cullen because he's a vampire, and that's, like, kind of cool. And he plays baseball, and he's a vegetarian vampire. Like, that's a whole neat subculture, and, like, all these, like, big secret things that I would get to learn about, and, like, interesting. Although, I guess if I was dating Christian Grey, he might buy my company so that I'd have a job. Yeah. treat me better but i guess if i was dating edward cullen he'd be independently wealthy and maybe i wouldn't have to work so i'm still gonna stick with edward cullen i'm sticking with edward cullen <laughs> i think you have the right idea there with edward cullen it's much more he has a volvo instead of an audi so <laughs> That's, that makes all the difference apparently <laughs> well i i think i would date christian gray but i would request that he wear body glitter <laughs> oh, that's a good amendment. Can you put it in the contract? <laughs> Naturally. <sighs> Last up. This one's going to be fun for everyone. Oh my God. <laughs> Would you rather suck Christian Grey's dick or suck a literal Christian Grey flavored popsicle? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go with the, the popsicle and not just for, I mean, is it a semen yeah, is it is it a Christian Grey's dick flavored popsicle or is it just Christian Grey flavored? Um, it's kind of like how grape flavored candy doesn't really taste like grape; it kind of just like tastes like purple. So I hate grape flavored candy. Well, I'm not saying it tastes like grape. I'm just saying like grape candy colon grape Christian Grey flavored popsicle colon Christian Grey. If you follow me, okay. <laughs> well, I'm I would gonna... say it tastes vaguely meaty. 
I'm going to go with the popsicle because, you know, skin just tastes kind of like salty and weird and that's fine. And it doesn't involve me sucking any dicks. Yeah, I'm also anti-dick sucking and meaty flavors, but I I can probably handle a popsicle better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm vegetarian. I don't really know what they're putting into the popsicle, so I'll suck a dick. (laughs) Sometimes I say things. Sometimes I say things. I'm like, oh, my mom subscribes to this podcast. (laughs) It's all hypothetical, mom. (laughs) Don't worry, mom. We'll talk later. I love you. Bye. (laughs) Let's move on to reader's advisory. And well, first of all, we're going to say Twilight is shockingly much better than this. And that's not a thing that I would say for most books. But it is. I think think Twilight is a good read. Similarly, there's so much fan fiction on the Internet. I know we've said that before. But there's a ton of it. It's got kinkier sex. It's got better sex. It's got characters that you care about more. Like, if you need help, you know, just let us know on Twitter and we'll be happy to direct you to the right place. Check out Archive of Our Own. You can sort by rating and character and fandom and you'll be reading much better sex than you would be reading in this book. And, I mean, the sex isn't necessarily awful here, but, you know... And also, you know, say you read Fifty Shades of Grey, you discovered some new things about you, you're like, oh, I only want to read period sex now. You can search Archive of Own for that. You can search it for, like, whatever weird-ass thing you're into, and it's on there. And you don't have to, like, dig through all this, like, contract talk and, like, fucking whatever. Just get yeah. right to it. You don't have to try and find it at the library. You you just go to, go to the internet. It's your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, um, for those of you who don't know, on her blog, Anna has been doing a Fifty Shades read-alike project, and she's read a lot of this kind of thing, and so I'm mostly going to turn it over to her and let her say her favorites from that. And we'll also definitely have a link to this on on our website and everywhere on the internet. I do. I have a handout that you can <laughs> take if you want. Um, so what I did, I, I created an Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> and I... I searched the internet and different articles and stuff to to find out what people were, were recommending as read-alikes. And then I, like, picked the top 20 that were mentioned the most. And then I tried to read most of them. Some of this was easier than others. <laughs> I tried to get them mostly from libraries because I would, you know, this would be for librarians to recommend. And um, a lot of the things people recommended were, like, out of their ass picks like um, Lolita or whatever they felt like had some kind of racy sex in it. Here you go. But there are a couple of really good actual read-alikes for Fifty Shades that have like um, the romantic redemption, a little bit of kinky sex, dominant males. There's a certain, I think, portion of the Fifty Shades liking population that likes like the rich and famous kind of thing. Most of these books are going to be from the perspective, like a first person perspective from the woman's side. I think that's a big thing. Um, and some of them are, were also originally um, Twilight fan fiction. So the best read alike is probably the Crossfire series by Sylvia Day, just in terms of like fucked up dude and sort of not, she's not completely, Completely innocent woman, 
Um, but they they have a definite power differential, and and that was a series that was supposed to be three books and is now five books. So I don't know exactly how it's going to end up as a read alike. But the first three books are pretty uh, good, and they're much better written. <laughs> so <laughs> you can hand those off to anyone. Um, there's a book called The Librarian by Logan Bell. Um, actually, it's called Betty Page Presents The Librarian. That gives you an idea. <laughs> and it's like. This is for the librarians out there, obviously, but it's like this woman who works in the New York Public Library and this wealthy donor who comes in and is like, starts sending her things to wear and he doesn't like her messenger bag, so he sends her a new messenger bag and it proceeds from there. He has tortured past also. For those people interested in like the BDSM club scene... The um, Club Shadowlands by Cherise Sinclair is part of the Masters of the Shadowlands series. I read a couple of books by her, and they were all kind of sweet and and nice. And I was like, you know, even though they're talking about BDSM and all sorts of stuff that's going on in the background, the relationships she's talking about were like, like good and healthy and, and made you want to read more of her books. My personal favorites from Twilight originating fanfic is the Beautiful series by Christina Loren, which is actually two women that started writing together. And the sex is so much better. Um, I've read it a couple of times, and you know I don't even care that they're straight people. <laughs> <laughs> and then in terms of just a regular romance, Lisa Claypess's um, Smooth Talking Stranger is my favorite. And it just has like a rich dude and then a not rich lady, but they have a like a fun dynamic. So I have a bunch more, but those are the best ones. Yeah. So again, if you are a librarian who has been getting a lot of questions about Fifty Shades Readalikes, which if you're a librarian, you probably have been. I definitely have been. So I, again, I would definitely recommend checking out Anna's blog. We will have links to it. Um, you know, educate yourself because a lot of people do want to read this and they deserve to get good reader's advisory from you. Even if you think Fifty Shades is garbage, suck it up. Yeah. yeah. And I would say one more thing. The Anne Rice series that everyone always points to, Sleeping Beauty series, is like super heavy, kind of creepy BDSM. And I don't think it's a good read alike because it doesn't have like the romantic element and the happy, you know, like the. There is an element of romantic comedy and and fun and like negotiation between them. And I don't think that is what is happening there. So that's not a read alike as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, I flipped through that one the other day. Just it was like on hold and I grabbed it and flipped through it. It's way more hardcore than this, even just from a skim. Which, you know, yeah, may- maybe super- somebody will come to you and say, like, oh I like that's really what I want and then maybe that. But if they just sort of ask for a general fifty shades read like I agree. It's like it's way more hardcore than that. That is not the one to give. Um, and I think generally romantic fiction has, has become more explicit lately so that you're going to hear when you just read, you pick up a normal historical romance, you're going to see like explicit description. So like that's the trend. Which, I mean, I'm all for it because like I've said in the past, some of these other ones we've read, I have just been confusing in their <laughs> in their attempts to be non-explicit. Like, I have had sex, thank you very much, and I don't understand what's happening here. <laughs> that shouldn't be the case. Yeah. I haven't actually read this, and I don't know if Anna has, but uh, one of the things that I had bookmarked was um, 
Mara Wilson, who played Matilda in the Matilda movies, Matilda movie, and is now a um, writer and comedian and funny person on Twitter and voice actor on Welcome to Night Vale, has kind of this like Twitter rivalry with E.L. James. Yes. And, and um, one of the things that she, in the wake of all of this, has recommended is the Boss series by Abigail Barnett. Um, as an alternative to Fifty Shades, um, and she says it has much more sexy stuff, and that the prose is better, and it's much more clear-cut BDSM, and less of the kind of, like, vagueness of Fifty Shades, and the sex contracts and things. I haven't read it. I will go see if anyone in my library system has it. (laughs) Um, I've also seen a lot of people recommending the movie Secretary instead of going to see the Fifty Shades movie. I'm not going to lie. I still want to see the Fifty Shades movie. It looks like a goddamn train wreck, but with a good soundtrack. Yeah, Um, I think I'm going to see it also. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Um, My friend Laura is coming to visit the weekend that it comes out, and we were talking about things to do, and she brought it up, and I was like, oh my god, yes, I absolutely want to. None of my friends here would do this with me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think my book club is going to go, and there's a place, there's a brunch place with unlimited mimosas that's within walking distance of a movie theater, so I think that's going to be our combo. Excellent. All right, let's let's move on to our candy pairing where we recommend a delicious candy to go with this book, um, but only if your master gives you permission to have snacks. <laughs> I'll say my recommendation is like a penis-shaped um, chocolate that you'd get at a bachelorette party. Like you think it's going to be kind of scandalous and shocking, and then you bite into it, and it's like, it's, it's really just sort of normal candy, and frankly, you've had better candy. I'm gonna go with those like super generic grocery store brand like mixed boxes of chocolate that you know you think it's gonna be worse than it is compared to all of the other awesome chocolate that's out there so you like go into it thinking it's gonna be garbage and then it turns out to be you know it's it's chocolate it's fine you've had worse but you know definitely there's probably better but you eat it anyway and you know you don't get sick or anything and I'm going to go with Sugar Daddy <laughs> because, <laughs> because Christian Grey provides all kinds of things for Anna, whether she wants them or not. And it is a popsicle <laughs> shaped, <laughs> but it's caramel, so it's going to get stuck in your teeth and you're going to be like, oh, this is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, now we're going to move on to a brand new recurring segment for this podcast that I'm very excited about. Um, if you listen, if you, if you listen to our previous episode, which was episode fourteen, the shunning, uh, you might recall that we got derailed for quite a while talking about who Wolverine and The Rock would be if they were in that book. <laughs> and uh, we actually got a lot of positive feedback from that. And Kate and I really enjoy talking about Wolverine and Dwayne the Rock Johnson. So we're introducing a new recurring segment called the Rock Paper Snicked. Which, uh, if you don't know, snicked is the uh, onomatopoeia for the sound that Wolverine's claws make when they come out of his hands. So the way this game works is that Kate will be the rock and she will explain what the rock would do if he were in this book. And I will be snicked and I will explain what Wolverine would do in this book. And then our guest will have to choose a winner of either the rock, snicked, or paper, which is we both lose and she would prefer the book remain the way that it was. Pretty I love I love this new segment. <laughs> yeah, c- this is a big honor for you, Anna. You are our I, first I feel rock paper snicker. Pressure. 
I'm really excited. <laughs> and as the rock, I will start off. Yeah, rock beats snicked. <laughs> if uh, the rock were in Fifty Shades of Grey, uh, the rock would be Taylor, who is Christian's bodyguard in the book. And you don't really know that much about him, but he's like kind of helpful to Anna throughout um, and like very quiet. But, you know, he goes shopping for her at one point and he like runs all of Christian's errands for her and things like that. Um, but as Taylor, uh, the rock would be kind and helpful to Anna and he would sit Christian down once it was clear that he had real feelings for Anna and explain to him that while this must be a confusing time for someone who traditionally avoided these kinds of relationships, he really needs to get over himself and put Anna's needs first and think about what she's feeling before he acts. Um, snicked. If Wolverine were in Fifty Shades of Grey, he would be Anna's stepfather. Actually, she has like three stepfathers. He'd be the one who actually showed up to her graduation. Um, he would be very concerned about Christian just happening to show up in Florida on business while Anna's there. And he would give Christian a stern talking to with his claws out. However, he would also be respectful of Anna's sexual autonomy and would have a sort of endearing but awkward conversation with her and just sort of, you know, make sure that she feels safe and, you know, that she knows what condoms are and all that. Okay, so I think that Taylor could definitely provide, like, a a grounded perspective to Christian. He's, like, an older guy, and it's... Christian is actually super young <laughs> when it comes down to it, and he's never had a real relationship before. However, I spent a lot of time playing the X-Men video game <laughs> as a younger person, <laughs> and I always played Wolverine. <laughs> yeah. I always played Wolverine. And also, the main, like, the one of the worst things about Christian is his stalkery tendencies, especially his, you know, publishing house buying tendencies. <laughs> so if someone was around with claws to just sort of, poke Christian's popsicle once in a while <laughs> and be like, like maybe you shouldn't do that that Bub. would probably be helpful so I'm gonna go with snicked yay but well played Kate alright no it was good it was good <laughs> alright so look forward to that uh, being in, in future episodes of the podcast <laughs> by the way this I'm not even kidding I had this idea in like a fever dream I was sick earlier this week and I woke up in the middle of the night and I sent Kate like I pecked out this email on my phone like all in caps like I had this important idea and it's this <laughs> it was multiple you sent multiple emails about it and then the next morning when I didn't reply within like five hours you were like I'm very upset that you haven't given me your input on this yet yeah, I was homesick and just only thinking about this. <laughs> and I think it paid off. <laughs> it definitely paid off. And this is a book you would never, never, never choose paper on. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the moral of the story. What do we got? I would say the moral of the story is that straight people are weird fair amen i mean not all straight people <laughs> fine <laughs> i'm gonna say always wear a tie <laughs> and uh i'm this is a moral that we've seen proven in many many of these books and it is that rich white men are the worst uh in this case only because they were abused as children yeah poor guy all right now we're going to move on to my personal favorite shade of gray, which is Duarte's Corner, 
where I will give my cat Duarte a little chance to express his feelings about this book. Yeah, well said, Duarte. Well said. Yeah, you know, hits it right on the head as always. And uh, I too was surprised there weren't more cats in the book, you know, but he seemed a little more concerned about that than I would be, but that's usual for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm also glad that their hard limits specified no acts with animals. Yeah, thank goodness. Yep. Duarte does not give his consent to that. All right. Um, so thanks to everyone for listening. Anna, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your expertise. Um, you thank can, you. Again, we'll have your, your, a link to your blog uh, on our blog, which is worstbestsellers.com. You can like us on Facebook, Worst Bestsellers. You can follow us on Twitter, which is Worst Bestseller with no S at the end. You can and should subscribe to us in Stitcher and iTunes. And uh, we command you to leave us good reviews there. You can also follow me on Twitter at 14across. You can follow me on Twitter at Renata Snacks. And you can follow me at Helga Grace. And then one note that we have for you guys is we really appreciate a lot of people have been sending us in suggestions of books we should look at, and we totally are looking at them. We do want you guys to know that right now our schedule is actually full for the rest of the year. So, again, feel free to send them, but if we don't uh, do your book right away, it's not because we didn't like it. It's because we have tons of other garbage books to read for the rest of 2015, and we're pretty excited to share them with you. Including uh, up next week, we have um, Middle School, The Worst Years of My Life by none other than James Patterson. So that will be quite a ride, I'm sure. Will it be a maximum ride? It <laughs> might It might be a maximum <laughs> yeah. ride. Fantastic. Yes. Well, thanks for listening for everyone, and we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Hello, this is Renata with a quick postscript to this episode. As you can no doubt tell, we had so much stuff to talk about that we forgot to say a few important things. Mainly, we forgot to tell you that our lovely guest Anna is the co-host of her own podcast. It's called Bellwether Friends, and it's delightful. And if you aren't already listening to it, get yourself over to bellwetherfriends.wordpress.com. Mr. Gray will be very displeased if you don't. Laters, babies. That's right, baby.